0: everyone, welcome to the Totus Tours show. I'm Father Marius and this is Cathy. So, the big news this week is the latest edition of Totus Tours is now available. It's edition 27, and hopefully, you can get this at your local church. And if it's not available there, you should be able to go onto the website totus and have it delivered to your door. Now, Cathy, I was reading during the week something that really, really struck me, and I wanted to just bring it to the, the show tonight. It's from one of my favorite books, The Divine Mercy Diary. This is a nice little uh, compact version. And it's paragraph 1448. So it goes like this. Jesus said to St. Faustina, Tell souls where they are to look for solace. That is, in the tribunal of mercy. In other words, the sacrament of reconciliation or confession. Jesus says, There the greatest miracles take place. And are incessantly repeated. To avail oneself of this miracle. It is not necessary to go on a great pilgrimage. Or to carry out some external ceremony. It suffices to come with faith. To the feet of my representative. And to reveal to him one's misery. And the miracle of divine mercy will be fully demonstrated. Were a soul like a decaying corpse. So that. So that from a human standpoint, there would be no hope of restoration and everything would already be lost. It is not so with God. The miracle of divine mercy restores that soul in full. Oh, how miserable are those who do not take advantage of the miracle of God's mercy. You will call out in vain, but it will be too late. So sobering words there from the Lord, Kathy. But what really struck me was... Jesus is saying that the greatest miracles in the world take place in the confessional. This might surprise a lot of people. Doesn't surprise me as a priest because I see miracles taking place in confession all the time. And as a priest, I suppose you're, you're lucky because you, you see both sides. I'm a penitent myself. Uh-huh. I'm a sinner. You know, ask my family. <laughs> <laughs> ask those I'm in contact with every day. Poor old me. I'm a sinner. I remember once... Hearing someone saying, put up your hand if you're a sinner, I put up two hands. <laughs> so we are, we are sinners, but as a priest also, you see people's lives change in the confessional. Like the chains coming off, the burdens, the shame leaving people, and truly miracles taking place. And I often think when I visit Lourdes, which would be one of my favorite places to visit, Cathy, that we know there are many physical miracles there many physical miracles, I don't know, is it 80 or so? Probably a lot more, but there's a certain amount that are you know, approved and have been investigated in detail. But how many miracles, like the one Jesus is speaking about, happen day in, day out in Lourdes since 1858? Millions and millions of them, even pilgrimages I'm on, I see people's lives change, they go to confession. So we probably don't appreciate this great miracle that God has given us in, uh, through this great sacrament of confession.
1: It's, uh, you know, in the gospel, we have the perfect illustration. Um, Jesus, we're told, cured everybody that was brought to him. You know, it it describes Capernaum where they were actually lining the street and he's curing the blind could see, the lame could walk. But probably one of the most miserable, as, as Sister Faustina, you know, people in one of the most extreme situations, was the man whose friends lowered him down through the roof. Mm -hmm. He couldn't move. He had to be carried on a litter. And yet Jesus looked at him and he could see the greatest need was for forgiveness, Mm -hmm. for spiritual healing. You know, and here he was, the, you know, exactly what you are in the confession. He was the Lord bringing forgiveness. And of course, the, the, Pharisees who were there were like, How dare he? Yes. <laughs> you know, I mean, everybody was expecting him to say, Get up and walk. And Jesus says, But just to show you I can do this, I'll do something much smaller. Get up and walk. And he gets up and walk. The, the joy of that man going home, not just that he could walk, but he was healed, he was clean, that, that incredible joy.
0: And it's a free gift. You know, this is what amazes me. I try to go to confession once a week, every fortnight if I can, because I'm a sinner. But it helps me to think about my life as well. And it's a sacrament. So we get these great, great graces through confession. So, and it's a really good habit to get into as well that I'm examining my life. And it humbles me. And I need to be humbled. <laughs> I need to be humbled. So confession is a great way of doing that. I'm putting my hand up and living in in reality and in the light by saying, I was wrong, I shouldn't have done that thing and I was thinking this and I shouldn't have or I should have done this thing and I didn't do it or whatever. It's really healthy to admit that and to admit that, you know, I'm not God. I am a poor sinner. I need God. I need God and I need his mercy. You know, one of my favorite stories in relation to confession, Kathy, has to be a story probably a lot of people have heard of. I'm sure you may have heard of it. The story of Rudolf Huss, not Rudolf Hess, of course, who was one of uh, Hitler's uh, main men, but Rudolf Huss, who was the c- commandant of the Auschwitz concentration camp, a place I visited a few years ago, and I will never...
1: Never forget. Never, it. forget
0: it, never forget it. Never forget it. The, the evil was, was palpable, really, even all these years later. But the story goes, anyway, that Rudolf Huss, um, after they, they caught him after the war... And in the Nuremberg trials, they said to him, you were responsible for something like the death of one and a half million people, two million people, something extraordinary like that. And he showed no remorse. He said it was my duty. That was the line a lot of the Nazis took. Yeah, I was
1: following orders.
0: I was following orders. So um, he showed no remorse. And they sentenced him to be hanged in Auschwitz. And he spent a period of time in jail. Now, the story goes that apparently the thing he feared the most were going to be these polish guards because what he had done to their families their friends you know 20 percent of the polish population was wiped out in world war ii and a considerable amount of those were killed in in auschwitz so he was really afraid about what they would do to him because that's the way he would think and that's yes, what he that's would what have, done, he would to have them. done so what really impressed him though was these guards were people of faith and they respected him as a human being, and they treated him with dignity. This really blew him away. And he also heard in the background the bells going from a nearby Carmelite church, and it reminded him of his own youth when he was nine years of age, and he was an altar boy. And when we're in the silence, we begin to think about our lives, don't we? And when
1: we're facing death.
0: Oh, we're facing death. I work in a hospital, as you know, and. Often when people are alone all day in a room or they get some scary news or whatever it is, they begin to think about their lives. It's natural. It's, it's what we, we would all do. So he begins to think about his life, and I think he's receiving a great grace as well. I think if you're living in a cave in the darkness um, and you, that you see the light, you you have an aversion to it. It's it's too strong. You don't want to go near it. So we think of St. Maximilian Kolbe in Auschwitz, and we know that he was encouraging people to pray for this man, and for the other guards. He said, mm-hmm. because they're on the road to hell, we need to pray and offer sacrifice for them. So maybe this man was getting this tremendous grace. It had to be a special grace that he received. And eventually, being impressed by the, the guards and the way they were living their faith, and being reminded of his uh, childhood, and begins, he begins to think about his life, he asks to see a priest. Now, interestingly, they couldn't get a priest none of the priests would come and hear his confession, which, you know, it's not it's not right. But I suppose when news broke in Poland about what had gone on in, in Auschwitz after the war and people realized, and um, they just, you know, I suppose from a human perspective, some of these priests just couldn't face this man. And
1: there probably weren't as many priests anyways because so many priests died in Auschwitz.
0: Well, that's true. I hadn't thought of that Yeah, That's a good point. Um, so for whatever reason, they couldn't get a priest. Now, Rudolf Huss remembered the a Jesuit priest who had visited him some years back. And this priest came back to his house in, I think it was in Krakow, and all his men were gone, and they'd been taken to Auschwitz. So he went to Rudolf Hus, and he demanded their release. And Rudolf Hus amazingly allowed him to go.
1: Yeah.
0: He showed him mercy, right? And Rudolf Hus remembered the priest's name, so he told him to get that priest. And he was the spiritual director for Sister Faustina's sisters. Divine Mercy, which is extraordinary. Little sign there. He comes and he hears Rudolf Hoss' confession. And the next day, before he was hanged, Rudolf Hoss, on his knees, received Jesus in the Eucharist. And there wasn't a dry eye. Everyone was crying, weeping, at how this monster had been transformed through the sacrament of confession and it's it's a beautiful story for me because it just reminds us that no matter what we do we might have some people watching who maybe feel I couldn't be forgiven for what I did or you know God will forgive us of everything as long as we are are contrary we want to change and uh, and we trust in in his mercy and he tells Saint Faustina in the diary time and time again tell them about my mercy tell them about my great mercy
1: you know, in in Virginia, uh, there's a wonderful diocese, the Arlington Diocese. And every Lent for the last maybe four or five years, they've had a program and they have billboards all over the area, just ordinary billboards. And the slogan is, the lights are on. And it's a confessional light. And it was amazing to me. Um, It meant that every church in the diocese, on, I think it's Wednesday night at a certain time, have confessions. Now, every church also has their Saturday confessions and, you know, whatever there's, but there's an extra one every Wednesday, all evening. And the amount of people who just see a billboard, that hunger, Mm. the lights are on. But, you know, there's also, you were talking about this great grace in, in my family, we had an incredible thing happen. I have a son. He's 44 now, and he's profoundly disabled. Mm. He can't speak. And the assumption is that he is intellectually impaired to a profound degree. And when he was 17, we used to go every week to this very holy Dominican priest who was teaching my children catechism and a couple of other children, one who's now a priest. And um, he would then say mass for the children, tiny little room, tiny, even tinier sacristy. But he would hear confessions in the sacristy. And I, for about six months, I noticed that Jamie seemed to follow him with his eyes when he'd go or even reach out. And I just kept thinking, Jamie was 17 at this stage, but, you know, we have this assumption, oh, they can't do a sin, you know, there. Yeah. And I just kept thinking, does he want confession? Well, another one of my sons, Father, Father uh, Lehi, had prepared for confession, and it was time for his first confession. And he froze. He absolutely became paralyzed with hmm. fear at the last minute, even though he was all excited about it. And then he was like... So I had to send everybody out of the chapel and into the freezing cold alleyway. And I said, we've got to wait. And, you know, let, he's going to... You know, he couldn't move. He couldn't get out of the chair. So Father sat next to him, and he couldn't even speak. So Father sat next to my seven-year-old son, Kevin, and went through his confessions. He spoke the both parts, the priest's part, penitent's part, and he said, now, Kevin, I want you to say this in your mind. I know you're prepared. I know you. So he went through the whole confession and got absolution. Kevin was so happy. He jumps up and runs out to tell his brothers and sisters and cousins and everybody that he'd made his first confession. And It was the only confession of anyone's that I ever heard because I couldn't bring Jamie out into the cold. His health wasn't good enough. So it gave me the idea. I said, Father, can you do that for Jamie? Mm. 17 years old. And Father said, yeah. And he sat down next to him and he went through the whole confession just slowly. Jamie, you've been attending the catechism classes. You know what confession is went through the hole. Then we packed everybody into the car, went home. I almost forgot. Got everybody their dinner. And um, after dinner, a neighbor came in. And I w- we were just chatting. And then he said, oh, by the way, Jamie made his first confession today. And all of a sudden, I heard a whoo of pure joy. Now, Jamie can't speak he had never whooped before in his life. Wow. And he also could hardly walk. And he started to toddle into, in, right in front of me. And they said something more about it. And he whooped. And he started to dance around the kitchen. And then I was like, so when he came back to me, I said something more. And he started to dance again five times. He repeated this, and I had to stop because he was actually almost banging into the wall. He was gonna, you know, he looked like he was gonna skid across the Mm. floor, but he couldn't stop laughing and whooping and dancing. He's never done it again. He had never done it before in his life. But for his first confession, that joy.
0: Joy. Kathy, as a priest, I see that quite a bit. Uh, maybe not to the same extent as, as Jamie. <laughs> Whooping but, and
1: dancing. <laughs>
0: but I do see it a lot of people hugging me and, you know, and often they are saying, thank you so much. Thank you so, so much. And I say, well, listen, I I did nothing really, you know. And I was just the old donkey, the instrument, you know, it was the Lord. Um, but you did the heavy lifting yourself, you know, yeah. and humbling yourself and coming to confession. And often people say to me after confession, I feel great peace in my soul, a great yeah. joy in my soul. And that's the Lord rewarding us. You know, Jesus said, I give you a peace the world cannot give. Him. The Lord is flooding our souls with with that peace, with that joy. And even families have come to me, Kathy, and said, what what, what? what did you say to uh father <laughs> yesterday? You know, I saw you were talking to him. What did you... They don't know that he maybe made a profound confession and that his life has now changed. And so confession is this, uh, it's, it's this extraordinary gift. And we think of you know, some of the great saints in the church, Cathy, don't we? I mean, as a priest, you would look up a lot to the curia of ours, you know, the, the patron saint of parish priests, usually we say, um, St. Jean-Marie Vianney. And at the height of it, he was hearing confessions for 16 hours a day. I remember in World Youth Day in Poland, um, in Krakow, one day I was hearing confessions for something like six or eight hours. I was fit to <laughs> <laughs> to go to hospital after it, right? i mean just because you have to you concentrate and you know its yeah he was doing it six and now he barely ate you know he, he cooked yeah. some potatoes i think at once the a of week. The week and like they were and he just ate whatever was left they were moldy and every, i mean he was he was a man of a, a very 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 holy priest with with special special graces but um we associate him with confession and thousands of people coming and coming and coming to him to have their confession heard. And another, I mean, we think of Padre Pio too, right?
1: Oh, yeah. Padre Pio, again, would spend, what, his mass was at five in the morning yeah. and, and two hours long and then huh. into the confessional. And, you know, there's a beautiful sculpture. I, I don't know if people know Tim Schmaltz. If you've been to Nock, there's a St. Brendan behind the Basilica by Tim Schmalt. If you're in Belfast, there's um, a sculpture of the homeless Jesus Mm. on a park bench in in the middle of Belfast. Those are all by Tim Schmalt. But he has a life-size sculpture of Padre Pio in the confessional. And he's got his hand up to give the absolution. And your beautiful statue but you go around and you can sit on the penitent's bench on the other side of the screen. Hmm. And when you do, you look in and you see it's the face of Jesus. So outside is Padre Pio, but what the penitent is seeing is the face of Jesus. And that's the secret of confession.
0: Yeah, it's beautiful. And as we said you know, at the beginning of the show, it's just, it's just such a gift that god has given us so just to encourage everyone to to really take advantage of that gift and if there's anyone that's kind of afraid you know maybe to go to confession or you know that happens sometimes to just go and to not be concerned too much about who the priest is because you're going to you're going to meet jesus the priest is the it's just the instrument and i myself i'm a priest but i have to go to a priest yeah. to hear my confession heard as well so really really important so thanks again for joining us, dear friends, for the Totus Tours show. Hope you enjoyed it. Keep us in the prayers. And if you like the show, don't forget to, to click the, the like button. Uh, this will help us to, to grow the show and that more we can reach more people and spread the good news of the gospel. If you want to see future shows, don't forget to click on the subscribe button. And we love to get your comments and your feedback as well. So thanks for joining us and
1: uh, God bless.